This is a Podfire production. Welcome to the first episode of Queensland Corridor Footy Podcast. In this episode, we look at the pre-season form of the Suns and the Lions, as well as the AFLW, and a snapshot of what the QAFL competition will look like in 2022. Welcome to Queensland Corridor Footy, the first episode. My name's Big Rob and I'm here with Brendo. Hi Brendo, how are you? Yeah, good Rob. Looking forward to it. Yes, very much looking forward to it. We're coming to you from the Podfire studios on the Gold Coast, podfire.com.au. Have a look at that if you have any questions about how to do podcasts or want to do your own. Uh, and what we're here for is to talk about Queensland football. So... There's plenty of podcasts out there on, on AFL football. There's plenty of podcasts on individual teams. But we're looking at Queensland football from an overall perspective. From the Suns and the Lions in the AFL to their VFL teams, AFLW teams, and then we're even going to be looking at QAFL football, local footy, um, where champions are born. So, Brendo, what have we got uh, going on today, mate? Yeah, so obviously we'll start off with a wrap of the AFL preseason. Uh, we'll get some thoughts from both of us around, you know, the value of the preseason or otherwise and what we can read into it and what we can't. Uh, and we'll have a bit of a uh, review of each game. Uh, and also, we'll look at the AFLW competition. Obviously, that's coming towards the conclusion of the home away season and looking forward to the finals coming up. And we'll touch on a little bit of the VFL preseason, academy games, and a little bit of a preview of the Quaffle. Excellent. So how do most football games start, Brendo? Should I kick us off with that? Yeah, let's get it going. All right, here we go. There we go. The siren has started, which starts our podcast. So um, so what do you think, Rob? What do we garner from the preseason competition so far? Geez, it, it gets, it's over quickly now, isn't it? You know, one, one official game. I um, like the I like the one official game. I don't mind it either. I mean, back in the day, we had teams that didn't put their full strength team out. They they trialed, you know, forty five players on their list through three games, and I don't know how much we actually got out of it um, f- during that time. Yeah, and I think there was some at times it gave some false hope. Um, perhaps with your beloved Lions, I, I distinctly remember one year winning the preseason cup and perhaps not doing so well in the, in the full season. And I think the Sydney Swans were notorious for being pretty slow starters in the preseason cup and then uh, showing us what they could do in the main season. So I think that the shortened format is good. It, it keeps it sharp. It keeps it interesting. And, and the focus was definitely on the last weekend. Well, as a Mad Lions fan, uh, you know, I certainly do remember that NAB Cup victory. I think we played Carlton and I don't know if either t- team finished outside the bottom three that year. But, um, you know, I, I always live on the fact that that was the last preseason cup. So we are the NAB Cup reigning champions. And you always will be, most likely. Always will be. I'm pretty sure they're not going to be bringing back a pre-season competition. But, yeah, look, you know, we've had a look at all the teams, I guess, over the last two weeks through those scratch matches and the the official pre-season games. Um, And the Brisbane Lions and the Suns, I guess, really, when we look at it, it was fairly successful for them. Yeah, I think both sides would take out a fair bit from the pre-season. I guess more so for the Suns, being a young side... Obviously, the, the events of uh, Ben King possibly could have derailed their season or uh, their their confidence going into the season, but they were able to find other avenues to goal and, and do quite well. So, 
Shall we dive in and have a bit of well, a look at each game? Let's have a look at that game first, eh? We'll okay, look at let's the Suns go. Suns and Geelong, who played on Monday night at Metricon Stadium with the Suns winning by 23 points, I think it was. Um, 13-17-95 to 11-6-72. The Suns, without Ben King up forward, I think that was a, a big question mark about how they were going to score goals. And they, they certainly um, gave us a few surprises up forward, didn't they? Yes, well, look, they brought in Lee of Icasbolt, who I have to admit I was a bit sceptical at the time with his drafting, but I guess with the events with Ben King, that's probably proven to be a bit of a masterstroke. Marbury Ochoal, uh, looked apart, although unfortunately has an injury cloud going into the season now with a hammy. But I think uh, the Suns actually had real weight of possession for most of the game. Uh, they dominated the inside 50s, dominated the contested possession. It'd probably be fair to say they played with a bit more intensity than Geelong, who perhaps were just looking to get a bit of run in the legs. But nevertheless, they were very impressive, the Suns, and they thoroughly deserved their victory. Uh, How do you see it, Rob? Look, I was shocked to see Jack Lacocious start up forward. I, you know, I felt that as a defender he would really carved a niche in that back line. Um, but he performed really well, I thought, last night. I think he kicked three goals. Yeah, he kicked a couple and he gave a couple off. When he gets the ball, good things happen. He's, yep. he's elite by foot. He's, you can just tell he's a great footballer. And I guess wherever you put him, he's got that ability to, to split games open with that that um, lethal left, uh, right foot of his. That's right. And we're talking about a kid playing his fourth season of AFL footy. So, you know, this is the time where we expect these guys to mature and start playing good footy. Whereas someone like Jack Lukosius was thrust into the, the starting 22 in his first season and has really learnt on the job. Unlike a lot of other players that go to some stronger teams, get to spend some time in the reserves, learning off the more experienced players. And, you know... In my mind, it had always been just a matter of time for Lukosius for him to click. So, Yeah, let, let's hope it is a breakout season. Uh, another one that I really like the look of, and he's probably in the same boat, probably three or four seasons in now, and that's young Will Powell. His, his ability to float back and float across packs and take the intercept mark, he's a courageous player, there's no doubt about that, but very, very skillful as well. He's been a bit of a revelation for mine and I think he's got it in him to be have a real breakout year and become a premier small defender in the competition. And that's exactly what they need, isn't it? They need a couple of their young guys to have those seasons, move up that list from being just good average footballers into that next echelon of players and that's going to only help retain players because the outlook will be far brighter for the Suns with these guys playing well. Yes, and look, Tuke Miller uh, left off where he... Uh, Finished off last season. He was just terrific. He just runs all day, creates play. And he's actually really quite skillful as well. And and I like the look also of Ben Ainsworth, probably another one who's been in the, in the system for three or four years. Probably hasn't quite lived up to his number four draft pick from memory from yep, a few right. years ago. Uh, but last night he kicked four and was involved in another a number of other forays forward and, and really looked like he could... Take like the game by the scruff of the neck. Like what you said about Powell before, he's another one who has very good disposal, uses the ball very well when he gets it. Um, I think sometimes his decision-making, he wasn't just quick enough. Yes. Um, and I thought last night a couple of his goals just showed that he's taken a little bit of a step forward in that in that um, area. And I think that can only really all go well for a good season for, yes. for Ben. And just quickly before we move on to the Brisbane Lions game, Matt Rowell, uh, all Suns fans would be very excited to see him. You say all Suns fans, I'll go further. I think all footy fans, 
we'll be happy to see him going well. I would agree with that. And also, a, a quick note about Rory Thompson and Jared Witts, who both returned on limited game time from long-term injuries, and it was just great to see both out there. It looks like to me that Jared Witts will start in round one. Uh, I think uh, Rory Thompson's still got a little bit of work to do, but it was just great to see them both out there. It was fantastic to see Rory. Rory, one of the foundation players at the club, so um, to see him back out there and running around is is certainly something that should make all Suns fans a little bit optimistic about the season. Let's move on, eh? Yes. Let's go to that uh, that other game that was played on Friday night, which was the Brisbane Lions against the Western Bulldogs. Brisbane 12-14-86, defeating the Bulldogs 11-14-80. Now, Brendo, I listened to, I watched the game intently because I'm a massive Lions fan. Uh, and the commentator said during the game that it was one of the best preseason games skill-wise and just with the, the heat in the game that they'd seen in a long time. I personally agree because I thought it was a great game. What, what did you think? Yeah, and I, I would agree. I didn't watch every preseason game over the weekend, but what I saw, it was the game that had the highest standard. The, the heat was on. Uh, it was a high standard game. The skills were up and it really did feel like just a game of football in the home and away season. Could have been so a round four game. Could have been a round four game. So it was fantastic to watch and both sides look like contenders for this year, in my opinion. Yeah, I think the, I think the Bulldogs showed that they've got a fire in the belly. But the Lions, I think during that second quarter and third quarter when they really put the foot down, players like you know Lockie Neal and Jared Lyons just showed that they've, they've again, just started again where they left off last season. And I guess with Lockie Neal, you know, there's a lot happening in the off-season for him, a lot of speculation that could derail your pre-season, but it didn't seem to make any difference for him. Yeah, it's fantastic. And Charlie Cameron was looking like he was back to his best, which was great to see. He looked energised, didn't he? He really did. Yeah. He really did. He was, he, was, he was getting the excitement going with the crowd and, and it was just a, a pleasure to watch. Uh, another one that I really like, and I think this guy can really be a top 10 player in the competition, and that's Zach Bailey. He's just got something about him. He's got that sort of X factor about him and he can win games off his own boot. People forget that Zach Bailey is a first-round draft pick. You know, he was picked number 15, I think, in his draft. A lot of people tend to obviously remember that um, Cam Rayner was the number one pick in that same draft. But Zach is showing what hard work does for a player. He's, you know, he's, I guess, you know, you can say we're jumping on a bandwagon, but I, I've been here for a, a while with Zach. I think he shows endeavour and sometimes walks right up to that line with his aggression. But I like that in a player. I mean, though. we need that in players. You know, we need that in players. Mitch Robinson's exactly the same. And Mitch Mitch was showing that in a pre-season game on, on Friday night. And he went up to that line on more than one occasion and um, puts a smile on your face as a Lions fan, I think. And another one I'm looking forward to stepping up in the midfield, and that's Jared Berry. I thought he was very impressive on Friday. Injury-riddled season last year. Was never at 100%. So 100% agree with you there, Brenda. You know, that's a, something for Lions fans to look forward to because if he is motoring well, then I think the Lions will be playing good footy. And something that I guess both the Bulldogs and the Lions will have to look at during the course of the season is how they account for the loss of a key position player. So obviously Eric Hipwood went down with the, the dreaded ACL late in the season last year and the Bulldogs no longer have uh, Bruce at their service just at the moment. So it was interesting to see how McStay and... Of course, Danaher, after extending his contract in the off-season, how they performed. And I guess the pressure on Norton is interesting for the Bulldogs as well. Norton was their focal point. 
Uh, I think he gave Harris a little bit of a touch-up early in the game. But when Marcus Adams went back on him, I think Marcus did a fantastic job. And Marcus can be much maligned, um, a much maligned member of the team. A lot of um, you know, media speculation, some of the fans seem to jump on a bandwagon that he's, he's not quite up to it. But I just think he's showing exactly why the Lions got him up. Yeah, obviously he's been injury-prone over the years, but when he gets his body right, he's well and truly in the best 22, in my opinion. Uh, unfortunately for in the game, and Rob, you probably have better detail on it, one or two injuries that came out of the game for the Lions, and I guess there were one or two late withdrawals as well. Are there any concerns there around Darcy Gardner? Well, Darcy Gardner, um, Chris Fagan's comments before the game was he wasn't 100% right, so Chris Fagan said no way. He wants him for round one and he will be available round one. Um, Chris Fagan also said that Rainer's, um, the fact he missed the game was due to family reasons. So we're not quite sure what happened there and we hope everything's fine. But you know, these things happen and again it's better that um, we give him a week off now. And it probably wouldn't have hurt him to have a week off after coming back from 12 months not playing footy. During the game, um, James Madden went off with a ankle. And he's certainly been showing something, that, that speed he provides off halfback. The one that I was disappointed was um, Kadeen Coleman. Kadeen Coleman. Um, doing his hamstring. So we don't know the extent of that one at the moment, but he uh, doesn't look like he'll play round one, which is unfortunate because I think he'd worked his way into the best 22. Yeah, it's interesting how they're playing him back. Uh, and, uh, yeah, he's got some ability there as well. And we'd both seen him in VFL level a few years ago when he was playing up forward and just you know, carving them up and causing terror with um, opposition defenders. Yes. And it is very interesting to see him going that way. So, Brendo, I don't know if you know what that um, what that brings us to. I'm going to have to do it. Here we go. We're having a bit of trouble with the siren there, but there it is. That ends our first segment. So let's move on to our next segment. Brendo, do you want yeah, to let's that? let's take a look at AFLW. So first, before we get into the matches of the week, what are your overall thoughts on the season so far? And I guess how the AFLW competitions is, is tracking overall. I think the fact that we're, we've now got, what, 14 teams in the competition, we're going to 18, shows that the development for the, the game is there. I think if we look at the quality of football in Season 6 as opposed to Season 1, uh, I think we'd all be surprised if we put two games side by side and watched them to see the, the massive improvement. I think the AFL would be happy with the publicity it's bringing the game. And overall, you know, I know that, uh, women's football has had its detractors around the place, but if you don't like it, don't watch it. But I personally look forward to the Brisbane games every week and I keep an eye on the Gold Coast Suns being a Gold Coast local myself and I keep an eye on their games as well and I, I'm enjoying it. Yeah, and I, I think the competition's tracking really well. I think the AFL's to be commended for trying to get to 18 teams reasonably quickly and look, there are going to be some bumps along the road with um, competitive balance and uh, equalisation you know, there is a bit of a gap between the top sides and the bottom sides, and yep. those things will take their time to, to work their way through. And the AFL may need to be quite bold with draft picks and things like that to, to equalise the competition as, as we go forward. But I think overall it's definitely tracking in the right direction, and you can definitely see the, the youngsters that are coming through now that have been the product of an elite system, an elite representative pathway, if you like, and uh, gradually, as they work their way through the season, the, the system, I can see that the standard of, of, of play in AFL women will be quite something in, in the years ahead. So I'm really looking forward to that. It's, um, it's an opportunity for the AFL to really show some investment in this 
format of the game. I mean, at the moment we've got you know players that are doing their day jobs and then going to training at night and playing, and we've got a you know a ten week home and away season, a four week final season, and, and that's that's their season done. Um, there's an argument that they don't raise the money or don't generate the money at the moment to to warrant being paid more. But I look at it another way that if we can get these get the majority of the players in as full time players. Once we've got 18 teams, there is also then the opportunity to, to coincide games alongside the men's competition. And I think that we'll see the women certainly generate their own income and their own income streams very quickly compared to what we are looking at now. Yeah, and look, anecdotally, and even my experience in at local footy, footy level, if you invest in women's football, sponsors are interested in sponsoring women's football. And as things become more on an even keel the sponsorship will increase so i'm actually very optimistic that it can um, fund itself and and go well in in future years yep. let's have a look at the aflw ladder leading into the r- last round of the season you said before that we do have a bit of a gulf between those top teams and the bottom teams i find it interesting that the four teams that didn't play in aflw one um they they do occupy four of the five bottom positions on the ladder which I think all goes to what you were saying before, and it uh, about the, you know the the time that it takes to to get these things rolling competitively. But if we have a look, the Adelaide Crows and Melbourne are both on eight wins. Brisbane Lions on seven. North Melbourne or the Kangaroos on six. Fremantle on six. Collingwood on five. Now mathematically, Carlton are in eighth and can still make it, and the Western Bulldogs are in seventh and two points outside the eight. So Collingwood play Richmond, and that's the key game because if Collingwood get over Richmond, who are currently in tenth position, um, that will shut the door on the on the top six. But apart from that, we've got um, Brisbane playing the Western Bulldogs, which is a, a key game, and the Gold Coast Suns, who currently sit in ninth position, um, the highest of the non-foundation clubs, in fact. Um, oh, sorry, apart from the Kangaroos, but they've this year got themselves three wins and a draw, which again, it has shown a vast improvement on where they were last year. Yeah, and there's a lot to take out. The The spirit within the group, you can definitely see that. I think a lot of their game was based on grit, determination, spirit, surging the ball forward, pressure, and those sort of things. And I think in the last couple of weeks, that, that ferocious game style has taken its toll. And perhaps they have looked a little tired towards the end of the season. Yep. Uh, but however, I think they'd be quietly very pleased with the season that they've had. They've shown a lot of improvement and there's quite a lot of good players to look at. So should we have a quick look at the, the, the games over the weekend? Yep. So the Suns were defeated by Carlton by five goals, 7-4-46 to 2-4-16. Um, the goal scorers for the Suns were Tara Bohanna and, sorry, I've just missed the other one there. Oh, there it is, Ellie Hampson. Sorry. Yeah, and so look, they were two of the best on the day. I think Tara Bohanna, she certainly is one of the best key forwards in the competition uh, and can win games with multiple goal kicking. Uh, she's got the ability to take a big grab and, and kick goals from 40, 45 metres. So she's definitely one to look at for the future. Uh, Lauren Bell in the ruck is, is a raw talent, but is, there's plenty to work with there. I, I like Vivian Saad down back probably not as prominent this week but her intercept marking has been a feature all season row bottom the number one draft pick she's she looks good 
and Kalinda Howarth uh, has a bit of that X factor about her as well as does Kate Sermon. So there's plenty to look at, plenty to enjoy, and and a, a bright future for the Suns women. Certainly is, and look, they they come up this week against Fremantle, so they got a difficult game. But I think at the start of the season, if they had said they'd win three games for the year, I think they would have been happy to use that as a springboard towards 2023, and um, you know further improvement there. Flipping over to the Lions game, the Lions played North Melbourne in what was a crucial match because the Kangaroos were in third position and Brisbane in fourth. And Brisbane, well, they dominated the game really. 7-8-50, defeating North Melbourne 2-2-14 in a, a clinical performance by the girls. Yeah, look, they certainly were. And look, you can just tell they're really, really well coached by Craig Stasevich. Every time the opposition, North Melbourne, tried to exit from their uh, defensive 50, there was just a sea of Lions players. So the amount of uncontested marks that the Lions players were able to take, uh, intercept marks, I should say, is just testament to the pressure on the ball, number one, and structure. So they're extremely well coached. The players look extremely fit. uh, And, look, they're going to take some beating during the course of the next final series. They certainly will. You mentioned Craig Stasevich, the only remaining coach from AFLW1. And I think that goes a long way to say why the Brisbane Lions have been able to form such a great program and a great um, game plan that they, they implement perfectly for themselves. Yeah, I, I think their structures are really quite quite developed and really quite impressive for, as you pointed out earlier, uh, a group of players that really only get together for a few months of every year and are very much semi-professional. Uh, the way they are able to structure up behind the ball and, and execute a game plan is really quite impressive. Uh, Rob, who were the two ladies who played their 50th on the weekend? I was just going to say that, yes. Um, Ali Anderson and and uh, Emily Bates, both playing their 50th game, so both foundation players of the club and the first players to play 50 games for the club. So a massive congratulations to those two ladies. And both were amongst the best on the day, I think. I think they've both won best and fairest they have. for uh, Lions, uh, AFLW teams. They're definitely both uh, elite players in the competition. And Bates, you know, regularly has 25 to 30 possessions and is definitely a key ball winner for the Lions. So she's definitely a key player heading forward into the final series. Absolutely. The one that I want to point out, the player in focus for me this week was Zimmy Farquharson. Um, she's what, she's the first one that's come through from the academies all the way through to being to playing her first games. Now, um, she really has that X, X factor. There's something about her that says when she gets the ball, it, it's it's exciting. I don't know if you saw the first game that she played against the Suns. I think the first game she played this year, and she kicked a banana goal from the pocket. It was it was ridiculous. You know, and nine out of ten players, male or female. Probably wouldn't have even scored from that position, but you know she just went back, slotted the goal, which showed a lot of composure. For someone so young. Yeah, and I, I guess the point we made earlier about players that are products of elite systems and have had ten years of footy in their hands and and good coaching, and and lots of time to practice and and get better at at football, and uh, she's one of the fruits of that of that investment. So we look forward to how that goes in future. And that's exactly the the mix for premiership success, isn't it? That you've got these players coming through, just topping up what, you know, last year Lauren Arnell retired, Emma Zilke retired. And so these guys are leaving the system and we've had Kate Ludkins, which has been a massive loss to lose your general down back. But these young girls have come through and have been able to supply 
Craig Starcevich and the team with another avenue to, to get through those Yeah, and, and it's it's testament to Brisbane that they've lost some key players over the years, over the journey to oh. some of the new clubs coming in. Uh, McCarthy, for example, um, and I think Ashmore, one or two others. Ashmore and we... Taylor Harris. Yeah, Taylor Harris. Yeah, um, so they've been managed to be able to you know turn their list over and, and compensate for those losses and still, well, they're obviously premiers last year and will take some beating this year. So full credit to them. Absolutely. So they will be heading into a finals campaign in two weeks. So on our podcast next week, we will preview the first finals game that they play. And by that stage, we'll know where it is and what's going to be happening. So as hopefully as many Lions fans can get out there as possible to support the ladies. Looking forward to it. Okay, we're going to um, hit that button again. So another siren, which brings us into our next segment. Brendo, QAFL footy, the quaffle. Yeah, before we get to that, I'd like to just do a quick wrap of the weekend's VFL pre-season games. I might read the notes next time. Thank you, Rob. It's on the run sheet. It is on the run sheet. (laughs) VFL wrap, pre-season and academy games. Yes. Why don't we go with that then? Yes. So, had a bit of a look at the academy game on the weekend out at Metricon number two. Uh, the boys played against Surface Paradise. It was, uh, to be fair, it was a, a Surface Paradise, probably reserves, Colts, new players sort of mixture. It wasn't their full strength side and probably scattered away to about a 12 to 15 goal win. Nobody was really keeping score. But we were looking at the players and there was a few that really impressed. I, I really like the look of Ethan Reid from PBC. He's got quite a leap on him and was jumping over larger opponents in the ruck. Jed Walter and Will Bella, brother of Lauren Bella, uh, did very well up front and, and took plenty of marks. Jai Lockett, whose uh, the Lockett name would be exciting for quite a few uh, of our listeners of course, being the nephew of the great Tony. Uh, now, just on Jai, before we move on there, um, I have known his dad for a while, Neil Lockett, and I remember when Jai was 10 or 11 years old playing at Southport, and I think there was one game where he booted 14 goals at 11 or, 11 or 12 years old, and if that wasn't the second coming of the great man himself, the newspapers were full of it. Everyone was talking about Jai Lockett at that stage, um, so... Yeah, and look, he's developed into a good footballer. He, he he probably, early in the game, probably had 10 or 12 possessions in the first quarter. At one stage, kicked a bomb from 55 metres that hit half halfway up the post. Unfortunately, didn't quite sneak in. But he definitely looks a prospect. Uh, young Cody Harrington kicked four or five goals and probably was best on ground uh, and, and was very exciting. Uh, draft prospect Jared Eckersley was solid. Uh, a couple of their better players also were rested. So overall... A good performance uh, by them. I also note that the Suns Girls Academy had a strong 15-point win over the Oakley Chargers in Melbourne. That was a great result, wasn't it? Terrific. So, you know, Queensland footy doesn't always get the kudos that it deserves. And the Oakley Chargers obviously run a very strong footy program. Yep. And to to have a good win down there on their dung heap was, was certainly a great effort. And Alana G, I noticed, was the NAB. League Girls Player of the Week with 34 disposals. So well done to her. Um, any thoughts on Academy? Any final thoughts on the Academy series, Rob? No, not for me. I mean, that's your wheelhouse, I guess, and I know how much you, you enjoy that part of it. 
And, you know, I know we're going to see some more of the Academy games coming up over the next few weeks. Yeah, so um, we look forward to that. Yep. Now, the Brisbane Lions Reserves had a hit out. Yeah, they had a hit out against the Sharks, Southport Sharks. And it was Brisbane Lions, I don't know the um, goals and behinds, but they won by 23 points, 71 to 48. Um, I'm reliably informed that ex-Sydney Swans player Zach Foote and ex-Port Adelaide player Boyd Woodcock were best for Sharks. Yep. Um, and uh, Queensland product Max Peskid was also very promising um, and has had a ripping pre-season. And for the Lions, they had 16 listed players, so they put in a pretty strong team, which was great to see. And they've got a number of mature age um, top-up players this year, which is which is really promising. Wiley Buzzer, who's, who some of our listeners may have seen, played at Geelong at one yeah, stage. Yep. Um, Product of, was he from Aspley originally? I think it was Mount Gravatt from memory. Uh, Ryan Lester and Reese Matheson were amongst the best and perhaps pushing their lights up for senior selection in, in a week or two. So uh, overall, I think both sides will be happy with the hit out and we'll be obviously uh, taking a close eye on the VFL season as it progresses in coming weeks. Okay, let's let's time travel back to about three minutes ago. Yes. When we, when Robert, well, when Big Rob jumped the gun. Um, let's just talk about QAFL footy just for a, a brief moment because we're f- still a few weeks away from that one starting. But it has changed a lot over the last few years with the structure of the VFL. Uh, sorry, the QAFL. What uh, what does the QAFL look like in its 2022 incarnation? Yeah, so in 2022, it is a 12-team competition. Uh, so those of our listeners who may not be familiar with the Quaffle competition, it is the premier community-based competition in the state. And it is steeped in history. So the first... Uh, iteration of the QAFL was in 1904 actually and it continued right through to 2010 they had a short hiatus in the World War One period they played throughout throughout World War Two in 2011 through to 2013 as mentioned it had a hiatus because the NEFL competition was born so with the Suns coming in and the Giants coming in the AFL wanted to create a stronger competition for those teams to to participate in. So they brought a, brought in the the NEFL competition, which I'm sure most listeners have heard of. So that encompassed teams from the, from Queensland and the Northern Territory, Sydney, and Canberra, and it included the four AFL reserve sides. So and it was a conference based system, a little bit like America. Uh, over time, so in two thousand and in two thousand and fourteen. The NEFL competition uh, had rationalised its teams. It reduced the amount of teams that were in it, and that's when the current Quaffle competition was reborn. And uh, four teams from the NEFL competition then dropped out, and six teams from the the Div One competition in Queensland joined to create the current Quaffle uh, system. So since then, a couple of clubs, UQ and Aspley, have, have uh, sorry, UQ and Sandgate have dropped out. And we've been fortunate to have Noosa and Marichidor come in, in in the last couple of years, which has been fantastic. And more recently, since the NEFL merged with the VFL, Red, the Redland Bombers and the Aspley Hornets have have come into the Quaffle to make the 12 teams that we've got now. So we've got 12 teams. Okay, I'll do my very best to try and go through them, but we've got four on the Gold Coast. Yes. Palm Beach, Surface Paradise, Broadbeach and Labrador. Labrador. Okay, take me north. Okay, so 
We've got Noosa and Maroochydore on the Sunshine Coast. They're probably the easy ones. And in they Brisbane were the ones on you. <laughs> and Brisbane, we've got six sides. So we've got the Sherwood Magpies. We've got Wilson Grange. We've got Redland, Victoria Point. And we've got Morningside, Mount Cravat and Aspley. That's 12, I think. I think that's 12. So, know. look, it's going to be a fantastic competition this year. Uh, there's been a big influx of AFL, ex-AFL and VFL talent coming into the competition. So the likes of Liam Jones from, from Carlton obviously made his choice on vaccination. So we look forward to see how he goes at quaffle level. We've got Cam Ellis-Yolman in we've the same situation we've at got Cam Labrador. We do at Labrador. Labrador yep. And Labrador have also been fortunate enough to um, recruit ex-Geelong and actually Brisbane Lions player Lockie Henderson. So he'll be a premier player in a competition. He'll be a great asset to him. Uh, and Jared Howbrow has been recruited by Broadbeach as a development coach, but don't be surprised if he, if he throws them on for Slices a couple of games him. here and there. And, of course, we've got Matt Eagles, who um, Brisbane Lions... The recruit. The recruit. So he's uh, going to saddle up for the Wilson Grange Gorillas. Yep. So there's quite a lot of uh, good talent in the Quaffle, and we look forward in the next few weeks to bringing you an in-depth uh, review, uh, preview of each club. And, obviously, we'll go through the, the result, the Quaffle results each week and, and have provide some analysis for our listeners. So we really look forward to that. Oh, interrupted there by... Oh, we've interrupted by a double siren. Um, interrupted by the siren there. That brings us to our last our last bit, Brendo. And this is what we're looking forward to in the next week. So I might throw to you with that one. What, what, what are you looking forward to in Queensland footy for the next week? Yeah, I guess it probably shows that I'm a bit of a footy nuffy, but I'm really looking forward to going and watching the Suns versus Lions Academy games on Sunday down at Metricon Stadium in, on the back oval. I know. Uh, the 17s and the 19s are playing after each other and it's a great opportunity for all our listeners and everybody who loves Queensland footy to have a look at the next crop of talent coming through. So that's what I'll be doing on Sunday and I look forward to it. You may have just caused some, me some issues with my what I was looking forward to because I was actually looking forward to one week off before the footy season kicks in until the end of September because obviously I'm expecting two Queensland teams to be playing off in the grand final. But um, hearing Metricon Stadium Sunday, it's only about a 10-minute drive away for me. What time What time do we start? Oh, I think it's about 10 o'clock in the morning. 10 o'clock. So if I rocked up at about 11, I'd probably see some of both games and my good wife might not even know that I've left if it's only for a short period of time. So that uh, look, but in all seriousness, I, I am looking forward to just taking stock, getting ready for the season and um, and getting um, full, full throttle on on. A big season of footy. So that brings us to the very end of our first podcast. Now, Brendo, when the final siren goes, what does that normally mean for you? Oh, that means we celebrate and go into a team song. Team song? Well, <laughs> we don't have a team song just yet. We might come up with one. I, I don't mind making up the odd song every now and again. So, But for me, the final siren means that we're just um, we're getting ready for the next podcast for this time next week. So... What I'd like to do is thank our sponsors, which is Platinum Standard Grading, a company on the Gold Coast that grades trading cards. You can check them out at psgrading.net. Um, I'd like to thank podfire.com.au for allowing us to use their studios, which are fantastic studios, aren't they, Brendo? Oh, they're state-of-the-art. State-of-the-art. One of my favourite footy terms, state-of-the-art. 
we might have to see if we can get that into each podcast at least once. So I'd like to thank them. We've had um, we've got a lot of people that are supporting us in, in giving us an opportunity to have a go with this. So without any further ado, we'll sign off for this week and we will be back with you next week on Queensland Corridor Footy. This podcast is brought to you by Platinum Standard Grading. The future of grading has arrived.